This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. importance of what we hear of how we hear it now first peter three fifteen says sanctify the lord in your heart amen crown him as lord see the recognition in the human spirit of the lordship of jesus of the lordship of god's word is the key to faith when you tell yourself that look whatever the word of god says that's it when you settle it in your heart on the absolute integrity of God's word. When you settle it in your heart that, look, the Bible is God speaking to me today. I don't treat it as ababio. You know, that probably dates some people. Some people did not read ababio. It was afolayon they read. You know, dates them. Some people know of Lambert. You know, they know of A.F. Abbott. They knew of M.N. Nelcon. You know, well, those are science students. Pardon me. I was a science student, so I know those ones. I don't know the other one, you know. And there are good books there, too, you know. We can't treat the Bible like a mere textbook. That's not what it is. The Bible is God speaking to us today. It's not just history of the past. Neither is it just prophecy about the future. It's a book of the now. It's a revelation. It's a revelation from God to us. It's not merely ink on paper. It is spirit and life. It is a God-breathed, God-indwelt, God-inspired message. Praise God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So one thing that's important is to know what God has made available for us in his word. Another thing also is to know the God that made those provisions. You know, someone can promise you something. Right? But the person doesn't have the ability to keep it. Someone can tell you that, oh, I'll give you one million on Tuesday. And then on Monday, EFCC freezes his accounts. He had the money, but something has happened between now and Tuesday. And he's no longer able to keep his word. Some people, they may have the ability to keep it. They may give you their word but their character may be such that they are not dependable. Listen, God is dependable. His word has integrity. He is faithful. He is loyal. He is true to his word. Psalm 138 verse 2 says that I have magnified my word above all my name. He doesn't play with his word. His word is his bond. If your word is no good, you are no good. So you see... We know the promise he made, right? We know the power behind the promise that he can keep it. And we know the person who made the promise. So the promise, the power, the person. Those things give us a basis why we can depend on his word. Are you listening to me? We can trust it. So faith really is a function of fellowship. Are you listening? It's a function of fellowship. If you know someone, someone you know, let's say you've been married for 30 years and you're married to a good woman or you're married to a good man and they love you, they have your interest at heart, you don't try to believe them. You believe them. You don't even ask yourself whether you believe them. You just act on what they say. Because you know them. They are good. They are good people. You trust them. You've come to find out that they can be trusted. Do you see that? 
Sometimes, if we are not careful, we make faith become sound more like principles, just a bunch of principles. Listen, there are principles to faith, no doubt. But you see, there is a person. It's God we're talking about. He's my father. He's on my side. He loves me. He cares about me. He's a good God. You see, the proof, the ultimate proof of God's love for us is redemption. The ultimate revelation of God's character is redemption. In the finished work of redemption, we see God. We see his righteousness. We see his power. We see his faithfulness. We see his mercies. We see his love. We see his integrity. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it sealed it once and for all time. God is eternally, indissolubly tied to us. He's our father. He cares about us. He's committed to us. And we can trust him. We can depend on his word. We are in covenant with him. We can take his word to the bank. We can pillow our head on his word, on his promises, on his provisions. Because he's a good God. Amen. So the measure of our faith is the measure of our knowledge. Now, how do we get knowledge? We get the knowledge of God's word by reading it, by studying it, and by meditating in it. The starting point is to read. That's the good starting point, to read the word. Beyond reading is to study. Paul told Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading. We have to read the Bible. Read it. Read it. The king in the old covenant was to have a copy of the law. He was to read it every day to help him stay humble, to help him lead right. Amen. And to help him do what was right in his own life. So we're to read God's word. Now, beyond reading, we're to study. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we're to study. Studying God's word is like fixing the meal. You know the amount of maggi to add, the amount of salt to add. You know when to put seasoning. You know when to take it from the fridge. You know when to put it in the oven. You know how to add the rice. You know how to shake it up. You know, you prepare the food well. You rightly divide it. What enables us to rightly divide is the study. Amen. And then beyond that is to meditate. You see, it's not what you eat that counts. It's what you digest. You can cook the food, but if you leave it in the plate... You're going to stay hungry. The memory of yesterday's food will not satisfy today's hunger. You need to eat it. Meditate in it. Meditate in it. This is what I say. And I say from Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. You see, whatever you meditate on you become empowered to practice. Whatever you meditate on, whatever you meditate on. If you meditate on pornography, you'll be empowered to practice it. If you meditate on violence, you'll be empowered to practice it. If you meditate on sin, you'll be empowered to practice it. Whatever you meditate on, you become empowered to practice. If you meditate in the word of God, you'll be empowered to practice it. Are you listening? And that's why... The psalmist said, Psalm 119, verse 97. Well, it's believed that it was Ezra that wrote Psalm 119. You know, some people say it was David. But, well, it looks like it was Ezra. 
He said, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. My meditation all the day. Job said, I've esteemed your word above my necessary food. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I did eat them. And they were the rejoicing of my soul. So we're to eat God's word. We're to feed on it. God's word is food for our faith. Amen. Meditate in it. That's how faith comes. Through God's word. If there's any area, you know, faith will win anytime. You're dealing with a health challenge. You're dealing with a financial challenge. You're dealing with a spiritual challenge. You're dealing with a marital challenge. We are dealing with any kind of challenge. Faith in God's word will whip it any day. Will whip any situation black and blue. Will defeat it soundly. But how do, do we get faith? Through the word of God. Faith follows light. As soon as the light of God's word shines in our hearts, faith is there. Faith comes to the heart unconsciously through the door of discovered evidence. Now, you see that you read something and read it many times doesn't necessarily mean you see it yet. It's revelation. Revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is when that word, you see it in your spirit. You see it in your heart. The light of it dawns on you. And that's why we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to open up the word of God to our spirits. See those efficient prayers. Pray them regularly. See, praying in tongues, very helpful. Amen. And then give time to meditating in the word and let the spirit of God open it up to your spirit. Let him open it up to your spirit. Study it, rightly divide it. Amen. Build it into your heart and faith will come. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When did Brother Hagin get faith to be healed? How did he get it? He got it from Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Well, there were a series of uh, truths that God revealed to his spirits as he began to study the word. But ultimately, it was when he saw that Mark eleven twenty four, 24. And he said, Lord, your word says right here, what things ever you desire, I desire well body. So when you pray, I prayed. You said, believe. If you were to tell me that I don't believe, I'll have to tell you you lied about it. I do believe. Then he said, the Lord said to him, yes, you believe all right as far as you know. So the Lord was saying, you don't know enough. He said, but listen, the last clause, that last clause goes with that verse, and ye shall have them. It says, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Up till that time, he hadn't seen that. He said there were days, he repeated Mark eleven twenty four 24, non-stop to himself all night long, at least once. There were days, half the night, just kept saying to himself, therefore I say unto you, what things ever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Therefore I say unto you, what things ever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Therefore I say unto you, what things ever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. He was just muttering it to himself, you know, Building it into his spirit. Thinking upon it. Thinking upon it. The fact that you can quote a scripture doesn't mean you know it in your spirit. Doesn't mean you can see it in your heart. The fact that you've heard a message. He talked about one fellow who heard him teach Mark 11, 24, 13 times. 13 times. He said the 13th time, the guy said, wow, you know I saw it today. I saw what you were saying. I saw what that verse means. The guy had heard it 12 other times. It didn't dawn on him. Remember, it doesn't come by having heard. Comes by hearing and hearing. Comes by hearing and hearing. Comes by hearing and hearing. You know, preacher, someone said that you really can't preach a sermon until you preach it 50 times. 
Really haven't heard a sermon. You've heard it 50 times. That's what somebody said. So it comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Building it into your spirit. Now, it's not like we are daft spiritually. But you see, sometimes our minds are cluttered with some tradition. There are some times we need to unlearn some things before we can learn some other ones. And that something is revelation to me now doesn't mean it will be revelation to me in three months' time. I may slip from it. That's why I need to go back to the same thing. Anybody here who has ever eaten rice before? Ever eaten rice? Anybody? Well, looks like some people have never eaten rice before. <laughs> okay. I think all of us have eaten rice. I know you won't eat rice again, right? Because you've eaten it before. And it's like, bring me something new. Isn't it? No, you keep eating rice. Some of you will eat rice this afternoon. You know, maybe you ate white rice yesterday. Today you eat fried rice. Tomorrow you eat jollof rice. Day after you eat coconut rice. Then the day after you eat basmati rice. Then the day after you eat, uh, you eat ground rice. Then the day after, then you start again with white rice. You know, and then maybe this white rice was with fish stew. And another white rice is with goat stew. And another white rice is with beef stew. And another white rice is with chicken stew. Then another white rice is with sauce. Oh, it's with vegetable. We keep feeding on the same things. Sometimes we dress it differently. We add a little here. We add a little there. And then we don't think anything is wrong with that. But then you go to church. And then the pastor says, well, today I want to teach on faith. Open to Mark 11, 23. And 20. It's like, oh, I've heard that one before. You see, when people do that, I know they don't know that, what that thing really is. People who really know it, they will seize any opportunity to hear it again. Because I had a good meal of rice yesterday, doesn't mean I will pass the opportunity to get another good meal of it today. Amen. Well, that's not what I'm having today anyway. Well, who knows? <laughs> But I can tell you, I'm having something different this afternoon. Because I know. At least I know that one. I don't know about in the evening. <laughs> so faith comes by hearing. Now, let's get to... I said all that just to recap. And sometimes some of these recaps, you know, just helps us. Let's talk about how to turn your faith loose. How to turn your faith loose. What do I mean how to turn your faith loose? Same as saying how to release your faith. How to release your faith. Or you might want to call it how faith works. How it works. How does it work? How do I get my faith to work? How do I release my faith? How do I spend my faith? Somebody said that words are the coins in the kingdom of faith. So that's what we use to transact. So how does faith work? Turn with me to that portion of scripture I just talked about. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. And let's look at verse 23. Mark eleven twenty-three. Now, this is Jesus speaking. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, you know, just like I said earlier, May of 1950, Kenneth Higgin had an audible voice. I wanted to go teach my people faith. So God gave him a revelation of faith for the body of Christ. Right. 
You know, Paul said to him, he said, all things are yours. Whether Paul, Apollos, or Peter, you know, who suffers. Whether it's the revelation God gave Paul, the one he gave Peter, the one he gave Apollos, all things are mine. Those things were given to them for the body of Christ. And we're to take advantage of those truths. God raises up men. God gave gifts to men, and he gave men as gifts to the body of Christ, right? Kenneth Higgin, a blessed memory, said in May of 1951, he was having this meeting in, in a town in Texas. The town is Graham. Name of the town, Graham, Texas. He said, at that time, it was his custom to fast two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. He fasted 24 hours. He took only water. He didn't eat food. After some time, he stopped doing that because the Lord said to him later, I'd rather have you lead a fasted life than have days and periods of fasting. He said, what's a fasted life? He said, the Lord said, don't ever eat all you want to. Just keep your body under all the time. I'm the same before you fast, when you fast, after you fast. Fasting doesn't change me. Fasting changes you. Amen. Just keep your body on that all the time. That's what a fast is meant to do. So after that, he just will eat one meal a day, sometimes two, if he needed some extra strength, you know, and just never ate to his feel. Just kept his body on all the time. But you see, this was still the time he was fasting twice a week. This particular Tuesday, May of 1951, he was doing this meeting in a church, he preached uh, the 10 o'clock service. After the service, he stayed back in the church auditorium to pray and to read the Bible. Then he decided he was going to read the book of Mark. Mark, I like Mark. It's a straightway gospel. And straightway, Jesus, and immediately, and suddenly, you know, straightway, straightway, straightway. Everything was just sharp, sharp. You know, that Mark was a sharp man. He was a straightway man. When you see him in heaven, he says, straightway. I bet if you see him and say straightway, he will just look at you and maybe give you a thumbs up. Well, heaven is not drab. Praise God. We catch fun there too. Anyway, he read the whole book of Mark, chapter 1 to 16. Of course, he was in chapter 16, the latter part of chapter 16, about the signs are follow believers, and these signs are follow them that believe. Verses 17 and 18. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So he was, just read that. He was thinking about those signs that are to follow believers. Then he got tired. He had been reading on his knees. Read the book of Mark on his knees. So he got tired kneeling. So he decided to just lie on the floor, on the altar, you know, the platform, you know. And he did. After all, he was the only one there. So he lay on his back, put his hands under his head, and was just in that kind of position, looking up. Said all of a sudden, you know, there's a scripture in Psalm 46 that says, Be still and know that I'm God. Said all of a sudden, his mind got to the place where he was quiet. He wasn't thinking anything. When not, he heard these words. Did you notice that in Mark 11:23, relative to the believer, the saying part is mentioned three times, and the believing part is mentioned only once? He said, no, I never noticed that. And sure enough, he turned to Mark 11:23, For verily I say, that's Jesus saying, so you don't count that first say, unto you that whosoever, now we can start counting, talking about the whosoever, whosoever shall say, that's one say, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. That's one, one, Ojoro counsel. One believe, one say, right? Believe that those things which he saith, that's saying some form, two times, that still believe only once. Those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. 
So that's saying some form three times. And that's believing only once. Then he said, I never noticed that before. I never noticed that before. Then the Lord said this to him. See, my people have been taught to have faith. They have been taught to believe. Where they are missing it primarily is not in the believing part. Is in what they are saying. In the saying part of faith. Faith must be released with words through the mouth. You can have what you say. Then the Lord told him, I want you to do three times as much preaching and teaching on the same part of faith as you do the believing to get people to see this principle and to act on it. Amen. Kenneth Copeland puts it like this. He said, say it three times as much as you believe it. Say it three times as much as you believe it. You see, we're Christians. We're believers. We don't have trouble believing. The primary... Now, is it just saying that works it? No. If you say it and you don't believe it, it won't work. If you believe it and you don't say it, it won't work either. But most people, they don't have trouble with the believing. They are believing. They are believing right. But where most of us have a problem is in what we are saying. In the saying part. In the saying part. You see, the way faith is released is with words. That's the primary way we turn our faith loose by what we say. By what we say. We've all heard it said that talk is cheap, right? Have you heard that before? Yes. People have tried to make light of words. Talk is cheap. You know, ah, and you do roll for, you know, mouth is sweet to prepare vegetable soup. You know, who can't do that? Talk is cheap. Anyone, we've all heard that said, right? But let me tell you, see, God made talk cheap so it will be available to everybody. Yes. We've also heard this said. It's easier said than done. Have you heard that before? You see, God made it easier said than done because the same part is the key to getting it done. So God made that part the easy part. It's like a ship, a big ship. And a little rudder. Somebody just rolls that thing like this. Then the ship's heavy weight. Turns. It starts going in one direction. That rudder is so easy to move. That's how our words are. Now, many times we hear this thing. Confess. Have you heard that before? We hear confess. Confess. What exactly is confession? What is it? Now, you see this principle in Mark eleven twenty three. It's also repeated in Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 10. How did you get saved? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how we got born again, by believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths. The same principle is repeated in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Now that you are a believer, how do we live? 2 Corinthians 4.13, he says, we having... Notice it doesn't say we're trying to get it. We are having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. That's the same spirit of faith that Paul walked in. Same spirit of faith that God has, that Jesus has. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Believing and speaking. 
Believing and confessing. Believing and saying. See, say, confess, speak. Mean identically the same thing. Verbally express something with your mouth. And, um, you know, that was... Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4.13, was actually quoting Psalm 116 verse 10. Psalm 116 verse 10. I believe, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. You know, I said in my haste, all men are liars. He was quoting Psalm 116 verse 10. So it's a principle that runs through the Bible. That's four main times, right? And then we see the same thing in Matthew 17.20. Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So you see it in Matthew 17, 20. You see it again in Matthew 21, 21. If you have faith and doubt not, you won't only do that which is done to this trick tree, but ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. And then you see it again in Luke 17, 6. Luke 17, 6. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and it will obey you. And cast into the sea, it will obey you. So, that's at least seven times. Right? Actually, that's seven times exactly. Mark eleven twenty three, Romans 10, 10. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Psalm 116, verse 10. Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 21, 21. Luke 17, 6. Believing and saying. If you have faith, you will say. If you believe, you will say. Believing and saying. Believing and saying. That's how it works. Now, when you mention this say thing, what exactly is confession? Like I said, you see, confession is affirming what you believe. Confession is affirming what you believe. Affirming what you believe. Confession is testifying to what you know. Affirming what you believe. Testifying to what you know. Confession is witnessing for the truths that you have embraced. Affirming what you believe. Testifying to what you know. Witnessing for the truths that you have embraced. That's what confession is. Now, what does our confession do for us? What does it do? Number one, our confession locates us. Our confession locates us. It locates us. What do I mean by that? It defines our position. If I want to know what you really believe, all I've got to do is to listen to you long enough. It will come out. It locates you. Out of the abundance of the heart. Matthew 12, 34. The mouth leaks. Oh, sorry, speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It will come out. You say, what if the person is a liar? Yes, it will also come out. Consciously or unconsciously, you will say what you believe. It will come out. So your confession locates you. You're a lady. A boy wants to, a guy wants to marry you. Just let him talk. You will know whether you should marry him or not. It will come out. You will know whether he's responsible or irresponsible. It will come out. Just let him be able to talk. Get him to talk. It will come out. It will, whatever is in him will come out of his mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our confession locates us. Our confession locates us. What you say is your faith speaking. What you say is your faith speaking. Mark's gospel. 
chapter 5, Mark 5, 25 to 34. Mark 5, 25 to 34. Wonderful proof text. says there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. Spent all she had, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately known in himself that virtue had gone out of him. Turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said, thou seest the multitude thronging thee. And says, thou touched me. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now you notice that verse 28 says, For she said, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And in verse 34, Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. You see, what she said was her faith speaking. And what you say is your faith speaking too. So your confession locates you. It defines your position. For I want to know what your position is on the CJN matter. Whether it was a legality or an illegality. Whether it was a morality or an immorality. All I've got to do is to listen to you. You tell me. It come out of your mouth. It defines your position. We will know your position from what you say. That's number one. Our confession locates us. Number two, our confession, things that our confession does, that's what I'm talking about. Number two, our confession fixes the landmarks of our lives. Our confession fixes the landmarks of our lives. What do I mean by that? I mean, if I want to know what your future is going to be like, all I've got to do is to hear you. This, your words will set the boundaries of your life. Whether you're going to be broke you're going to be sick, you're going to die young, you're going to live long. Our confession fixes the landmarks of our lives. Proof text. In Numbers chapters 13 and 14, we see the story of how God had told the children of Israel that Canaan's land was theirs. And then he told them, go in and possess it. Well, they got to the border, Kadesh Barnea, and at the Lord's direction, Numbers chapters 13 and 14, at the Lord's direction, they, uh, Moses chose one person who was to be a spy, you know, one from each of the 12 tribes, none from the tribe of Levi, because there was one from Ephraim and one from Manasseh. Joshua, Oshia, was from Ephraim, later called Joshua, the son of Nun, N-U-N. You know, his mother was probably Catholic. No, she wasn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Joshua, the son of Nun. Then there was Caleb from the tribe of Judah. So the 12 of them were sent. They were like an espionage team. What were they to go do? To go spy out the land. Go bring a report of the land. Yes, it's like this. This is how we will go. We take it like this. We move this way. We move that way. That was all they were meant to do. Well, after 40 days, they got back. And they brought reports of the land that they had gone to spy. And they said, surely the land flows with milk and honey, just as the Lord has said. He said, and this are the fruits of the, the land. Giant grapes, bold granites, and fruits, awesome fruits, you know, because the land was flowing with milk and honey. The land was a rich land, brought forth great yield, you know. They said, but, mm -hmm. when those people start telling you those they are buts, 
Want to tell them, bought me no but. You know. He said, but there are giants in the land. We are not able to take the land. They are stronger than we are. We are as grasshoppers in our sight. And so are we in their sight. How do you know? I thought you were spies. Did you go there? I'm from Channel's Television. Tell me, how do you see me? How do you see me? Am I a grasshopper? Am I a grasshopper? Am I a grasshopper? Where did it start from? It was all in their head. He said, we are, we, we, are, we, we are not able to take the land. They are stronger than we are. We are grasshoppers in their sight. See, that's what they said. Ten of them came back with that kind of report. Israel accepted the majority report. You know, we have elections coming in February. I'll tell you something. The majority report is not always right. Not always right. Democracy is not necessarily the best form of government. Theocracy is. Whatever God says, that's what's best. See, that was the kind of government God wanted to have with Israel, but they wanted a king like other nations. You know? On this side of heaven, the best is democracy. That's the best. On this side of heaven. Are you listening? So, yes. February, go and vote. That's the best form of government on this side of heaven. Time is going to come when it will all be good. You know, but until that time, this is the best we have. Are you listening? Majority report said No. We are grasshoppers. We can't take the land. They are stronger than we. And Israel accepted the majority report. If you read in Numbers 14, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says the people wept that night. You know, they probably had a vigil. They said, would God we had perished in Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? That's what they said. A whole generation said that. whole generation. Joshua said, Numbers 14, 9, said, Only rebel ye not against the Lord, nor fear ye the people, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. No, he said they are bred. If you like, we put jam on the bread. If you like, we use mayonnaise. If you like, we use butter. If you like, we use planter. I don't know if you can still find planter. Use margarine. Use blue band. Use... You know, if you even like, you toast the bread. If you like, you shred the bread. And if you don't even like any of that, you just throw the bread away. What he was saying, or soak it in water, or soak it in tea. I know nobody here does that. And I nobody here has done that before, right? <laughs> well, I don't know that. Some people might have done that here. You know, they are bread. Let's eat them. They are food. Let's eat them for dessert. Now to kill them, get them. You know, that's what Joshua was saying. Caleb said with him, Numbers 13, 30, said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome them. My God, he was like, let's go get them. Go get them, tiger. You know, let's go get them. We'll swallow them up. We will defeat them. Some people saw giants. Some other people saw food. Some people saw they are impenetrable. Some other people said, this one now walk over. Now, you see, Joshua and Caleb did not deny that there were giants there. Yes, there may be giants there. That's when we compare them with ourselves. But we're not comparing them with us. We're comparing them with God. There's not even the semblance of an ant to an elephant when we compare them with our Father God, our matchless heavenly Father. Amen. 
So that's what they said. You see, the people who say they can and the people who say they can't, they are both correct. If you say you can, then you can. If you say you can't, then you can't. Now, how did the story end? Numbers 14, 28. The Bible says, the Lord said, as truly as I live. You see, when God says something, and God starts by saying, as truly as I live, God is saying, it will be over my dead body for this not to happen. As surely as, you see, God swore. We're told in Hebrews 3 and 9, and 3 and 4, he swore that they would not enter his rest. He said, as truly as I live, as they have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto them. See, you are the architect of your own fortune or misfortune. It's not the uncle in the village. It's not your father's second wife. It's not that man that didn't give you school fees. It's not your mother that, didn't, that had too many children. No. Your own future is in your mouth. Whether you were born with a wooden spoon, a golden spoon, a silver spoon, a plastic spoon, or spoons that even finished when you were born. And you, are, you weren't even born with any spoon. Listen, you can talk your way out of anything. Your future is in your mouth. Guess what happened? All the people that said that they couldn't, they never lived long enough to see those giants they talked about. They died in the wilderness. And Caleb and Joshua that said they would, they did. They did. A whole generation, yes, a whole generation, 20 years and above, every one of them except two people were dead. Because they said they couldn't. They didn't. You see, our words dominate us. Our words rule us. Proverbs 6.2 says, Thou art sneered by thy words. Thou art taken, taken captive by the words of your mouth. You said you couldn't do it. The moment you said it, you were whipped. You said you didn't have faith. And that instance, doubt rose up like a giant and bound you. You talked fear and fear held you in bondage. Our words rule us. Proverbs 12.18 there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18, 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Job 19.2, Job said this to those friends who came as comforters and ended up being tormentors. said, how long will ye vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? Words break or words make. Words heal or they make sick. Are you listening? You can fill your words with faith that will stir heaven and bring God's blessings here on the earth beneath. You can fill your words with love that will melt the coldest of hearts. You can fill your words with hate and poison that will poison anyone that dares to hear you. Your words can make you a millionaire. They can keep you a pauper. Job 6.25 How forcible are right words? How forcible are right words? See, words may seem so insignificant and small that men take no note of them at all. But listen, words spoken in faith create realities. Words spoken in faith create realities. All you are today and all you have today is the result of what you believed and said yesterday. 
if you are not satisfied with where you are now in life, check up on what you are saying. Check up on what you are saying. So our words fix the landmarks of our lives. Your faith will all either rise up or it will go down to the level of your words. Amen. Our faith is measured by our confession. Our usefulness to the Lord's work is measured by our confession. There is a confession of the heart and a confession of the lips. When both harmonize and confirm the word of God, then we, we become mighty in our prayer lives. Our confession builds the road over which faith hauls its mighty cargo. Confession is the key that unlocks faith. There is no faith without a confession. Amen. Your faith grows as your confession grows. See, thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words will lead the heart out of defeat into certain victory. As our faith grows, Satan's dominion over us wanes. Circumstances become less formidable and fear is destroyed. Amen. Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God. Notice, you know, there, there are three words or two words that if Jesus had added it to Mark eleven twenty three, 23, we'll have all had it made. When he said he shall have whatever he saith, those two words, in church. But Jesus did not add them. He didn't say he shall have whatever he saith in church. No, when we're in church now, you know, I am a blessed child. I am a blessed child. Jesus made me a blessed child. I am a blessed child. And it's good to sing songs like that. You know, even if you had added in church, some people still would have been defeated because they sing horrible things in church. They speak horrible things in church. But some people, they talk faith in church. You know, there's this other one. I don't know if you know it. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. My father is rich in cattle, in, in money, so I am rich. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a happy, happy millionaire. Ah, thank God for songs like that. Abraham's blessings am I. Abraham's blessings am I. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings am I. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away. I'm born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. And then the person who's preaching says, let's speak the word. I am blessed. I'm blessed. I'm more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. And then service ends. Then you're going home. My wife says, eh, those children's uniform, it has become small. We need to change. Do you think I'm made of money? <laughs> you just finished saying that Abraham's blessings are mine. <laughs> you know, you meet your friend. He says, my guy, how now? He says, ah, things tight. He gets as he be. You know, this economy, this economy, this economy, in fact, in fact, ah, they say that their business is finished. <laughs> that even this 2019, I don't even know how somebody will make it. You see, that's the way some people talk. Jesus said he shall have whatever he saith. And then we can pray. It's, it's vigil time now. Oh God, oh God, do my own. Do my own, do my own, do my own. And then after you've done, do my own, do my own. You say, how far? You say, where is even God in all this thing? I don't know what I did to him. He has forgotten me. 
Amen. Praise God. It's break time. We'll see in an hour's time. Praise God. There's still a whole lot more. I'm, I'm, I haven't even reached the middle of this, how to turn your faith loose. Praise the Lord. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website, www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.